שבוע טוב, חודש טוב מבורך to all of you listeners of this great station. This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. I'm going to speak about a little bit about Parashat Yom HaShemini and also a little bit about Eretz Yisrael. It starts, uh, the parashah starts by he, by Yom HaShemini, and it was on the eighth day. What is the eighth day? Seven days before that, Moshe Rabbeinu was training them, was teaching Aaron HaKohen and his children how to do the Avodah in the Mishkan. But this is now the eighth day, was a special day. It was a day that was going to bring great joy and satisfaction to Klal Israel. As great as a joy as in the day of creation. This was to be an extraordinary event. Aaron HaKohen, for the first time, is going to be doing the service in the Mishkan. Like I said, till now, for the last seven days, was uh, was Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, the real Kohanim are going to be doing the, the services for the first time. The Avodah, the sacrifices. And a very unique miracle is going to happen. Hashem will be sending a fire to the Mizbeah, descending from heaven to burn the Korban. For the first time. Imagine the excitement of all the people. They're going to see a miracle happening. Fire coming from heaven. Also, at the same time, this will be a sign that the sin of the Egel has been forgiven, at least partially forgiven. Yet on that very day, in the midst, in the midst of the excitement and jubilation, everything stopped. A tragedy happened. Two sons of Aharon Cohen, two great tzaddikim, equal to all the shivim zekinim, were killed for bringing ish zara, foreign fire, an unauthorized fire. Joy turned into grief, jubilation turned into crying, as it says, "Ve'achem kol bet Yisrael ibku et ha'serefa asher saraf Hashem." Now, many of Hashim ask the question, what is the big avla over here? What is the big sin that they deserve actual mitah? This was mitah b'dishamayim. Now, uh, okay, I mean, we understand they did something wrong. They were not supposed to bring a foreign fire into the Mizbeah. But is that really something that requires such a strict punishment? You know, during these six weeks between Pesach and Shavuot, we say, we read the Pirkei Avot. Pirkei Avot, it says, Moshe kibel Torah misinai umsara liyushua. It doesn't say untana leushua. It says umsara leushua. Mesira. You know what mesira means? Masoret. Transmitting exactly what you have. Netina is something else. If you inherit something, you want to give, 
you give whatever you want. You can give half of it, third of it, whatever. You can change it. You can do whatever you want with it. Masoret Mesira is something else. Someone gives you something to be Moser to somebody else. You don't give him half of it. You give him the whole thing. Mesira means you can't change it. That's Masoret. Now, it's very, very important to understand the, the, the idea of Masoret because our religion really is dependent a lot upon Masoret, meaning what we have, what we hear, what we understand from our rabbis, from our parents. Without, without that Masoret, we cannot go on. There are many, many things that perhaps could be muta, according to Halakha, but the Masoret says you can't do it. I mean, look, the Torah tells us about certain birds. It tells you exactly which birds you're not allowed to eat. That means everything else you can eat. Well, it's not true. We don't eat that. We don't eat all those birds. We don't. We only eat like uh, maybe a handful of different kind of birds. So, yeah. Turkey, chicken, duck, and so on. What about all the others? They're not mentioned in the Torah, right? The Torah says only these are... The others are not supposed to be, but the idea is we have to have a masoret. If there is a masoret that we can eat them, we eat them. There's no masoret, we don't. It's very important. Now, there is a, 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 a small ma'aseh in Masachet Shabbat, Daflamid Aleph 31. There's a guy that goes to Hilev. First he goes to Shammai. He tells him, you know what? I want you to teach me. I want you to uh, uh, convert me and teach me only Torah Shebikhtav, meaning only the written Torah. But uh, Shammai, they are angry, and they say, what do you mean? Only written Torah. No way. If you don't have the oral Torah, you have nothing. Go, boy, Go. So what does he do? He goes to Hillel. Hillel is more patient. And he tells him, I want you to convert me, but on a condition, only teach me Torah Shebikhtav. Okay, fine. He says, I want to teach you Torah Shebikhtav. So he said, come. So he, he teaches him. He shows him Aleph. That this is Aleph. This is Bet. This is Gimel. And so on. Said, okay, fine. Now you learned the alphabet. Come back tomorrow. Next day, he comes over to him. He says, you know what? He shows him Aleph, and he says, no, this is Aleph, this is Tav. Betty is Sheen. He goes the other way. He reverses everything. So the guy tells uh, Hillel, he says, wait a minute. Yesterday, you told me this is Aleph. This is when I told me something else. There you see. You have to rely on what I tell you. You have to rely on the Hachamim. If you don't rely on it, then how do you know anything? The Torah is very cryptic. The Torah says, What does that mean? What is totafot? What is ot? What is ot? What, what is it? We talk, that talks about tefillin, but, but the oral law tells us about the tefillin. It tells us what it is. It's a certain box. It has to be black. It has to be square. It's got a batim in it. What's written in the batim and so on. The Torah doesn't tell us that. 
we must have the Masoret. Masoret is of enormous importance in our religion, and especially in the Beit HaMikdash. In the Beit HaMikdash, there is no leeway in changing the Masoret of the Hachamim. No way. You know, it says, the Pasuk says, Kisifte Kohen Ishmerudat, the lips of the Kohen, they, they have the Da'at and Chokmah, and people will go and learn Torah from them. In the early days, the Kohanim used to be teachers also. Then he says, He's a Malach Hashem. A Kohen, Malach Hashem. What does that mean? How could a Kohen be Malach Hashem? Kohen is a human being. It's not Malach Hashem. Ah. Perhaps we can understand this the following way. A Malach, when Hashem tells him to do something, He gives him an instruction. Go destroy Saddam. Go heal uh, uh, Sarah Imenu, whatever. Go tell Sarah she's going to have a, a baby. When Hashem tells a Malach or a Navi something, it has to be done exact. A Malach cannot go right or left like a robot. Hashem says, do this. He goes straight at it. No changing whatsoever. He can't. The Kohanim and the Beit HaMikdash were the same way. Can't change the Avodah. The Avodah is sacrosanct. It's Kadosh. Kodesh Kadashim, holy. Cannot change. Cannot even one tiny little bit. And the Avodah, the steps of the Avodah were very precise and very well defined and it cannot be changed. In no way. Once you change them, it's, that's it, finished. You don't have a, a proper avodah. So this is the problem. This is this is the question here. The, the we 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 asked first, how come Nadav Avihu got such a severe punishment by bringing an unauthorized fire? When it comes to avodah in the Beit Hamikdash. The Masoret is extremely important. Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai Umsarari Yeshua. We have Masoret. He cannot change the Masoret. No way, especially in the Beit Hamikdash. Hashem is telling, "Hey, I'm showing you a precedent. This is a precedent for the years to come in the Beit Hamikdash. You cannot change anything. Not one iota. Very important. And perhaps we can extend that." To us also. We have 613 mitzvot. And just like in the Beit HaMikdash, the, the Kohanim had to exactly as Hashem said. We should do the same thing. We don't have to go and ask questions and rationalize about the mitzvot. Hashem said, go this, that's it. Lot shat, can't have, you cannot wear shat nez. What? You don't wear shat nez. You don't eat machalot asurot. You have to put in every day, put in every day, and so on and so forth. Oh, it's allowed to go ahead and try to figure out the reasons behind it. You see, the uh, Chinuch the uh, tells us all kinds of reasons, but that is not the main. That's not the main thing. The main thing is to do the mitzvah. 
find out what it is later about what. Now let's do the mitzvah first, and then we'll figure out what the reason is afterwards. Now I would like to say something about this also that has to do with last Thursday. If you recall, last Thursday was Yom HaShoah. In Eretz Yisrael, during the day of the Shoah, the Holocaust day, they had, you would talk on radio, newspapers, all over, all, all you hear all day long is they talk about the Holocaust. You see, we see over here, in this, uh, the parasha that we read, it was a day of extraordinary event. An event where a miracle is going to happen for the first time. And what happened? A tragedy happened. You know, such has, such has been our history. Whenever a very extraordinary event happened to the Bnei to the Jews, somehow there is a price to pay for it. Always some kind of a price, unfortunately. Some kind of tragedy happens. See, you see, at Mishraim, Pesach was only last week. You see, at Mishraim was not for, for free. The Jews were there for 210 years as slaves. The independence of Hanukkah was not for free. For years and years, they were subjected to the worst kind of persecution by the Greeks. Then it came. And the independence of 1948 also. Big price. Big price. Besides the galut of 2,000 years, big price was the Holocaust. Six million Jews perished during the Holocaust. And you know something? This six million is really a misnomer. It's the wrong word. I'll tell you why. If those six million Jews had not been killed, those, their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, by now there will be maybe 15 million Jews. There will be 30 million Jews in the world, not 15. Today we're like 14, 15. Yes. We say six million. And you know, another thing, let me say that also. A lot of people, they hear six million, oh, that's a big number, but they don't realize how big that number is. They don't realize it. You see, in the olden days, I'm talking about 30, 40 years ago, when he said someone was a millionaire, oh, rich man, very rich man. Today, say he's a millionaire, eh? well-to-do man, not rich man. Today, you have to say he's a billionaire before He's a rich man. So today millions may not be too significant to people. But let me tell you what six million people is. If you had six million people standing, holding hands, from New York, starting from New York, they'll be going all the way to Los Angeles and California, 3,000 miles of people. That's 6 million people. From New York all the way to Los Angeles. Yes, Rabotai. It's not so simple. There's one thing 
very important for us to know. The Torah tells us, Zechor et Asher, Zachor Asher, Asa Lecha Amalek. We have to remember what Amalek did. And it's scared of Al Tishka. It says also Al Tishka. Don't ever forget it. What does that mean? We have to remember it. We have to verbalize it. We have to tell the people about it. We have to tell our children. Now, Amalek was Amalek. Amalek was a nation that wanted to attack Israel only because they were Jews. Father reason. That's one. Father reason. Secondly, what did, did they come in the front and fight with the soldiers or the able able-bodied people? No. They went in the back and hit the weaklings, the elderly, the children, the women. That's what they did. These two horrible characteristics, killing, murdering Jews only because they're Jews, and the innocent, the civilian, that is Amalek. And that's the Nazis in Mahshiman, that's what they did. The Nazis were Amalek par excellence. They are Amalek top number one. Because they killed Jews because they were Jews. And they killed who? The civilians. People. Their own people. Even their own citizens that were living there. Born there. Parents born there, grandparents born there, all of them, all gone. They are the real Amalek. You know, this is this is why we have to tell our people all the time, our children, our grandchildren. It so happens that I have heard certain statistics which really bother me a little bit, and that is that as the years go by, the new generation starts forgetting about what happened. They start forgetting. Now, the, 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 this, is, this is so important to keep this thing going. The world has to know that they did something horrible to the, to the Jews and it has to keep on going. We have to remember it all the time. We have to, to do commemorate. We have to commemorate it. We have to do some whatever meetings and, and, and having people come and talk and talk about it. Because it's important to keep it alive. What they did was horrible. The most heinous acts that any nation has done. Well, we all heard of gas chambers, you know. Of course, they, they killed millions. We heard about them digging huge pits and having hundreds of Jews around the pit and they shoot them, they fall right into the pit. Easy, they don't even have to bury them. They don't have to dig for each one. But there's all the things that people are not even aware of. I want only one thing I'm going to discuss, and not much in detail because it's big horrors here. 
the medical experiments they did on the Jews, medical experiments. For example, you know, they were involved in war all the time, they wanted to conquer the world. And they wanted to know. Their pilots were precious to them. So, when a pilot is in a certain height, and he's hit, the plane is hit, and he has to parachute down. But what is the 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 height, the uh, maximum height that he can parachute down? Because as we go up in the air, the pressure goes down, the air is thinner. So they went to know how to, so what do you do? Oh, you create low chambers, low pressure chambers, you put Jews in there, and you see what, what, what's the low pressure? If they die, they die. <laughs> They can take it fine. What are they wanted to know, for example, how to cure tuberculosis, typhoid, what a typhus? What do they do? They inject the Jews with the bacteria. If they die, they die. Then they put cure. They try, they try that. Most of them died. We talk about hundreds and hundreds and thousands of these people. You know, nowadays, they do this kind of experiments with mice. Mice. We were the mice of the Nazis in Mashem That's what they did. They also went on a, um, a big, big uh, uh, research and development to try to find some kind of inoculation or shot that you give to a man a Jewish man, a Jewish woman, and they become sterile. They cannot reproduce anymore. That was their ideal. No more gas chambers, no more nothing. They're too expensive. You get a shot, boom, a shot, that's it. The guy, there'll be no Jews anymore. Now, this, this, this is the kind of thing. They, they had crooked mind. They had big scientists. They had big people who were very intelligent. But they used it for the wrong thing. Hachamim hemma lehara. That's right. Lehara. They had Nuremberg laws. The Nuremberg laws were, this is even before the war. Before the war. Years before the war. They stripped the German Jews of their citizenship. No more, they're not, they're not citizens anymore. It was, I mean, the foreigners. Foreigners? And they were isolated. Any Jew that had a store, uh, no one's going to come to him to buy. So he closes the store. Or nothing. A doctor, no more people coming to him. Lawyer, no more services. They were reduced to very menial jobs. Very menial. That is before the war. Now, during the war itself, let me tell you one thing, uh, 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 this story about a rabbi. A rabbi that was in Yerushalayim. This is way after the war. Uh, one American wealthy man 
he went uh, to visit this Rebbe, was in Yerushalayim. And he saw that as he was going there, he saw this, there's a man that was sweeping the sidewalks where the shul of this Rebbe was. He was sweeping the sidewalks. And he would sweep the sidewalk before the shul. He skips the shul and he goes after the shul and he sweeps again. So this wealthy American was uh, he was baffled. What, what's going on? Why? So he goes to the man. He says, I mean, we know sometimes Helonim don't like uh, religious people, but you know, if you have a job, you have to do the complete job. He goes to him. He asks him, how come you skip the sidewalk by the shul? So he says to him, Harav Lorotse. That means the rabbi, the rabbi there, he doesn't want. He doesn't want me to sweep that. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I couldn't understand that. All right. So he goes, he prays, Shabbat. Musa Shabbat, he goes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I, don't know, I want to understand something. How come this man here, he doesn't sweep the sidewalk by your shoe? He says, you told him to do that. Is that right? He says to him, yes, I told him. Let me tell you why. He says when he was back during the war and the Nazis in Mahshimam caught him with others and it, of course they stripped his uh, rabbinish you know, like clothing, they gave him like uh, workers kind of clothing, they took his beard off and they peot and gave him a cap or something and they went, they took him to this huge opera house in Vienna famous opera house in Vienna. They had massive stairs, stairs, long, huge. They gave him a tiny brush and they told him, go and sweep all these stairs. That was his job. He said, at that time, I made an edit. If I ever get out of this, I will sweep the streets of Yerushalayim. He says, I am fulfilling my nether. He says, I told him not to sweep here because I'm doing it myself. This is, that's only a small thing, but the I mean, I have stories. It's unfortunate, but the stories are sometimes depress somebody, but the idea behind this is we cannot forget. Zechor al We can't forget. And we have to tell the, our children. We have to tell them. Things have turned. Nowadays, we have tremendous. We have Eris Israel Baruch Hashem. Our land. HaKadosh Baruch Hu finally had Rahmanut. And he gave us something, whether we deserve it or not, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to us now. Yes. Eretz Israel is a Jewish state with a Jewish army, Jewish navy, Jewish air force, Jewish policemen. Everything. Hebrew language, 
our language. When I was there in the summer, the past summer, and one day Friday night by the hotel, I was praying uh, Arbit, you know, Minhan Arbit. After Arbit, all of a sudden, yeah, about 150 or 200 soldiers, and they were made a circle and started dancing and, 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 and singing and dancing and singing with such joy and excitement. I tell you, tears ran down my, 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 my cheeks. Unbelievable. This is now our land. And Baruch Hashem, we cannot just emphasize the physical power. We have to emphasize the spiritual power. And that's one of the main reasons why Akadosh Baruch Hu is still giving our Esis Ram. Do you know the amount of Torah growth in Eretz Israel? Unbelievable. How many yeshivot? How many batiknesiyot? These are the guardians of Israel. The Torah that we have. The mitzvot that we do every single day. HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at that. And he says, yes, you are my children. Banim atem l'ashem elokechem. We are. And be'ezat Hashem with that zechut. And with the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we'll be able to keep our land forever. Am Israel Hai. Rabotai, just want to remind you also that this is a very great station. It does a lot of benefits to the to the community. If you can contribute, please do so. And uh, if you have any simha, please contact us at SLC. We'll be very happy to accommodate you. To accommodate you. Shavuot Tov. Adishton Mevarach.